This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons 3 to 7 on Sports Hub Triad. We've got a lot to do today with Wake Forest AD John Curry joining the show in 15 minutes. So let's dive in, starting with the NFL. Longtime Panthers beat writer Joe Person tweeted this over the weekend. Quote, had this discussion with someone last week. No way Cam Newton signs with anyone as a backup. Continue to rehab and wait for travel restrictions to lift so teams can examine him. Worst case, he waits until a starter gets hurt. I put this question out on Twitter. Interested in your perspective on it. What is more likely to happen ahead of the 2020 season? Cam signing on as a backup, which seems to be the only options available to him right now, or Cam flat-out retiring. Because while you might just reject the back end of that, it's something you haven't considered, I think he'd rather retire than become a back backup any day of the week. This isn't me saying that's going to happen. Honestly, I think a team's going to come to their senses and pick him up. However, I don't think retirement's out of the question, especially after Andrew Luck opened that door last summer. Think about this. In terms of quarterbacks the last decade, quarterbacks who have played a lot of games, who has taken more abuse than Luck? Obviously, Luck had the shoulder problems. It was an ankle he was dealing with all last offseason leading to him saying, I'm done with the process of there being pain and rehab, trying to get back on the field. So he said, I'm stepping away. The only quarterback I can put up against Andrew Luck in terms of being injured as often and dealing with injuries that are comparable in terms of the severity, it's Cam. If Cam says, I've had it. Yes, it looks like on Instagram things are going great with his foot, but there's a difference between being able to pass a physical and being able to deal with the rigors of a 16-game NFL schedule, which starting in 2021 is going to become a 17-game NFL schedule. We're seeing it more and more often. Pat Willis, Andrew Luck, players stepping away from the game. Luke Keekley, who was very close to camp. So I really don't think it's completely out of the question. Also, Cam, he's a smart guy. He understands the quarterback position is maybe the most political position in all of sports. That position, it has, it's the closest an athlete comes to being a politician publicly. That's why there are no interesting quarterbacks when they're speaking to the media. They speak like politicians do. Tell me something Drew Brees has said that's really interesting, very illuminating. Tom Brady over the last few decades. How about Russell Wilson? They've all mastered the art of putting words into a sentence, saying things without actually producing any substance, like a true politician would. I think it's the same reason you don't see many presidential nominees on either side accept opportunities to become a vice president once their their presidential bid falls apart. Because 
Once you're labeled as being a backup quarterback, that's what you are. Right? You're not an MVP anymore. You're not a starter. Once you become a backup, that is who you are. If you're trying to become the president and that bid falls apart, if you accept the vice president bid, you're always going to be vice president candidate fill in the blank. Which is fine if that's what your goals are. I don't think Cam's goal is to be a VP. Cam's goal is to be a starter, to be a president. Unlike Cam... Cam also, or excuse me, unlike Andrew Luck, Cam also has several post-football opportunities available to him. I'm speaking about television. He clearly has an interest in that field. He has his own production company. He runs a YouTube channel. He's quite active on it. He had the Nickelodeon show after the Super Bowl appearance. He's been on TV game shows. So he has a flair for showmanship for celebrity, the way that he dresses, his polarity. He would do great on TV. He's an entertainer. I don't think he's going to be an analyst, even though Monday Night Football is still looking for the replacement for really John Gruden because Jason Witten didn't pan out. They're not happy with what Booger McFarland did last year. If they were smart, they would go after Cam there, but... The coronavirus pandemic's affected so many aspects of the country. I don't think the financials would justify bringing in someone like Cam without any TV experience there. Maybe later in the week we could get into what Monday Night Football's doing at this point. But I do see him having a role whenever his football career ends. On TV, playing the Michael Strahan-like role. Being Jesse Palmer. Maybe not being on The Bachelor, but interviewing celebrities, being a part of sports on the periphery. He's not the guy who's going to be on NFL Network or ESPN breaking down games, criticizing and uh, applauding players that are currently playing. I don't think that's what Cam uh, ultimately is going to want to do whenever that time comes. Your thoughts are welcome on Twitter at SportsHubTriad, 336-777-1600 is the phone number if you care to chime in that way. John Curry, the director of athletics at Wake Forest, going to join us in less than 10 minutes. A lot of stuff to do today. Don Shula passes away at 90 years old. Louisville receives a notice of allegations. All of that later this hour. But I want to shift things to last night's Last Dance episodes, episodes 5 and 6. Michael Jordan He's drawing criticism today for his Republicans wear sneakers to comment from decades ago. Jordan, he's not backing down on them, and he shouldn't. The most ridiculous assertion that I heard last night, and I continue to see trumpeted today, is that his legacy will be forever dampened by not speaking out on social issues. To anybody who believes this, Here's all I got for you. Here's a question that I have. What were Babe Ruth's politics? How about Tiger Woods? Do you know what Peyton Manning, who who Peyton Manning voted for? How about Derek Jeter? Are those players' legacies affected by you not knowing what their politics are? This could not be any stupider. Muhammad Ali, oh, 
He spoke out on social issues. He spoke against the war. That's why he seemed to be one of the iconic athletes of the 20th century. I have a feeling Ali would have been great regardless because, you know, he was a multi-time heavyweight champ. He was tremendous on TV, had this great personality. I think there's a lot of revisionist history that happens with Ali. I think many of the people that applaud him speaking on social issues probably never heard what exactly he believed in. I don't think, I think even today, a lot of what Ali said in the late 60s and early 70s would still be incredibly controversial. Now, I'm not criticizing him for believing those things. I just don't believe his career was magnified for having those beliefs. Michael, he broke it down in a perfect way. He said, I didn't really follow it that closely. I wasn't an expert on the subject. So we didn't want to attach his name to the North Carolina Senate candidate that was going up against Jesse Helms in 1990. He didn't want to do it. It reminds me of my approach here to coronavirus. You might have noticed in the last month and a half, we haven't done a lot of coronavirus talk on this show. Now, we're not pretending it doesn't exist, but my expertise is not viral diseases. My expertise is not what's going to happen in the next few months with it, what path we're going down when it comes to this pandemic. I do have a lot of expertise talking about Cam Newton and Wake Forest basketball search. Steve Forbes, he's going to be a guest with us tomorrow, and again, John Curry in five minutes. I think there's value in talking about things that you're an expert on. I think it protects him as well. Like LeBron James, he seemed to be this guy speaking on social issues that mattered to him, but clearly, last October, China was a blind spot. It was a really tough situation, Because if you're going to say all these things happening in your country that you're supportive of and that you're against, why not speak against something that's so clearly communism? Well, it would hurt the NBA. It would hurt your own bottom line. It was a blind spot for LeBron. I think saying that you're not going to address politics altogether flatly because Republicans buy sneakers too— Ultimately, it's the smartest business thing to say. And Jordan, he's not just representing himself. He's representing Nike. He's representing the Bulls. He's representing the NBA. It's the smartest stance for him to take there, and it protects himself. Also, let's consider this. It seems the people who believe Jordan should have been more expressive are just assuming he has the same politics as they do. If that is, in fact, true, if Jordan believes something else, I have a feeling the response would be completely different. Real quickly, before we get to John Curry, let's go to Corey and High Point. Real quickly, Corey, what do you got on quarterbacks of free agency? Andy Dalton, a cowboy, Jameis Winston, a saint, Cam Newton still looking for a team. So I know that you're saying, well, thank you for, for having me on the show. I appreciate that. Um, so what's your thoughts, though? Where do you think? Uh, Cam would go since we do have those two that you just mentioned, Jameis and Andy, both previously being uh, 
suitable starters, you know, is Cam feasible? Like, what's your thoughts? Do you think I'll, I'll give you one team, Corey. Thanks for the phone call. I think the Denver Broncos make a lot of sense for me. Strong organization with a quarterback coach who can vouch for him, Mike Shula, who, of course, lost his father today, Don. And um, I think both those factors matter. Look at the Panthers signings. A lot of guys from Baylor, a lot of guys from Temple. These are guys that Matt Rule can vouch for. Mike Shula, Cam's quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator, he can vouch for Cam at his best. And I still see an unproven quarterback there in Drew Locke. He's a second-round pick from last year. I'm not saying he can't get it done. I'm not saying that he wouldn't beat out Cam if they went head-to-head. But I do remember Denver drafting a quarterback in the first round, that quarterback winning a playoff game, and then Denver having an opportunity to upgrade that offseason with the former MVP. The quarterback I'm speaking about is Tim Tebow, and his replacement was Peyton Manning. So Denver, they've seen it happen before. It's low risk. He's going to be cheap. He's 30 years old. Why not have Cam go into a situation where there's some familiarity there and Cam Newton go to an organization that could benefit with them having a winning roster, a team that could benefit having a motivated Cam on a cheap deal? I think that's a team that makes a lot of sense. I don't put Cam in the same box as Jameis or Andy Dalton, and I don't think you should either. Just look at the resumes. They'll tell you everything you need to know. Okay. The director of athletics for Wake Forest, John Curry, he will take us behind the scenes on the Steve Forbes hire. Next on The Drive. The Drive with Josh Graham. He's confident, smart, witty, vicious, brutal, vindictive, a monster. This is an evil man. Maybe, but he knows his sports. Back to The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. It's time for Let's Get Crazy. I'm going to be honest, Robert. I have a lot of things that have been stewing on my mind the last 72 hours. I bet you do as well. Ed Harden going to join us one hour from now. The big stories of the day at 5 o'clock. All right. If you want in on this segment where we suspend journalistic integrity for 10 minutes each week, 336-777-1600 is the phone number. Hot takes only. We won't judge a take for being too hot. But we will judge it for being too cold, especially if it's, you know, we're all stir crazy right now. So we're thinking about crazy ideas. Hot takes only. Bring them at 336-777-1600. It's time for Let's Get Crazy. All right, Robert, do you want to start or should I? Uh, Either way, it's up to you. I asked you a question. And I said either way, it does not matter to me. Let's let's just keep stalling this, see how far we could go. You go if you want to. Nah, I'd be be like, you can get it. Uh, It doesn't matter to me. NFL games! I feel like it's going to be a much more difficult hurdle... For high school and college games to get off the ground if school is canceled or delayed than pro sports. So if there aren't any high school or collegiate sports to talk about come September, the NFL, they're going to figure out a way, even if they need to go to Congress to approve of it, for there not only to be games on Thursday and Sunday 
and Monday, but filling the void left by high school football in this hypothetical and college football, we're going to be talking about NFL schedules, nationally speaking, with games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. That's five days out of the week we have football. One game Thursday, one game Friday, a handful of games Saturday, a full slate, a full slate on Sunday, and then Monday you have one game as well. This presents an interesting opportunity. Most of the money that's made by leagues now come from television. If it's all television and no fans are allowed to attend games in the venue in which they're played, I think the only way owners can recoup television dollars is by enhancing the TV deal. One year only, one-time exception. Hey, Amazon. Hey, Netflix. Hey, Fox, CBS, ABC. You could carry one of these games. Here's the price, and you're going to get massive ratings as a result. And also, owners are going to be able to recoup dollars lost by not having fans in attendance. Robert, do you like the idea? Oh, yeah. I'm all I'm down for, heck, put it on Tuesday and Wednesday, too. I don't care. Put football every day. Every day of the week, NFL football. I'm not scheduling it. I don't care. I don't have to worry about travel semantics. All know? right, Robert, let's get crazy. Uh, I think Vince McMahon should be the next sports figure to get a 10-part documentary. Between uh, the covering up of Jimmy Snuka uh, murdering his wife. Allegedly. Uh, the I, I don't even believe it's allegedly. I think he, he killed her. I don't care. Uh, Hulk Hogan and the steroid I guess trial. it's the hot take segment. You could probably exactly. say whatever you want. Uh, the Chris Benoit. I mean, there's so much stuff you can go into. His, his childhood, I, I think. I mean, at least I would watch it. I, I don't know if it transcends... Um, Sports like MJ does. I'm not. I, I'm not saying it does. I just think he needs a ten part series. <laughs> uh, one documentary is not going to be enough. No. Oh no. There's so much stuff. It would have to be like a ten hour documentary. All right. I watched Castaway over the weekend. I believe that to be Hank's best performance. You want to? You want a hip hop air horn for that? Most people point to Forrest Gump. If it's not Forrest Gump, it's Philadelphia. If it's not that, it's Toy Story. If not that, it's uh, it's Sleepless in in Seattle. Someone's best performance cannot be a cartoon. Like, th- there's no acting chops. I'll get the phone, but I mean, I'm giving you this strictly so we okay. can move on. Wow, Robert thinks that Castaway deserves a little bit more love than I was originally giving it. I mean, Hanks he carried the entire movie. Um. I think it's entertaining. I don't know how it's entertaining. I don't know how it works. I don't know how many actors could do what Hanks did in Castaway. I really don't know. I guess Matt Damon maybe did some of that in The Martian, but there just aren't a lot of guys. Hey, half the movie, we're not going to have any music, and you're going to be on an island all by yourself talking to a volleyball. Make it happen. All right, let's go to Wayne in Greensboro. Wayne, let's get crazy. Okay, I got a prediction. Zach Prescott will get injured. Season-ending injury game one of the season, and Andy Dalton takes the Dallas Cowboys to the Super Bowl. Whoa! 
Andy Dalton going from no playoff wins to a Super Bowl appearance with the Dallas Cowboys. That's the type of fun we're talking about here. Hot takes, 336-777-1600. Robert, let's get crazy. Uh, J. Crew filed for bankruptcy. They today. did? Yes. And I think COVID is going to take a lot more brands that you know, like American Eagle, uh, Guess, Gap, the like, are going to shut down due to COVID-19. Does that mean they're going to stop sending me emails? Maybe. I, I've, I've successfully pushed all the J. Crew and any other stuff like that to my spam folder. But I remember in college, it was they were stacking them. Yeah. They're very aggressive. All right. I need to get to this. Hot take. Chocolate milk is a suitable beverage for an adult to order. I don't know. I love chocolate milk too, dude, but I don't know if I'm ordering it at a restaurant. I put this on Twitter. For those who didn't see it, uh, see it it's a true story. Saturday, uh, I ordered takeout from a restaurant. My girlfriend, she's sitting right next to me, and she's picking fun at me because I said, <laughs> hey, can you add a chocolate milk on the side? And they said... Yeah, like a kid's chocolate milk. <laughs> I said no for like an adult. <laughs> and they're like, it's just the They laugh size. and they go, yeah, we can do that for you. <laughs> Sarah Bradford said I sounded like a serial killer. Hey, do you have any chocolate milk? What kind of food was it? What were you eating it with? It was a burger, fries, and, uh, yeah, burger and fries. Oh, man. I don't know. I'm with Sarah Bradford. I love chocolate milk, too, but I, I don't know if I'm ever ordering We should it. not be shamed for wanting some chocolate milk. Okay? Like, I don't think it's just chocolate I'm not milk. a heavy alcohol guy. I love beer, but I'm a social drinker. And since you can't really get together with people, I've been drinking chocolate milk more than I've been drinking the juice. Robert, do you want to close us out? Yeah, sure. Uh, Law and Order has the best non-lyrical TV theme song. Huh? Up against uh, Stranger Things. Uh, damn, I had I had so many more, but I did not write them down. But I'm telling you, you probably should have wrote these down. I mean, maybe, but that's my hot take. I, I if you've got to come up with the stuff to beat it. What do you mean? Okay, you're saying non-lyrical. Yeah, so there so, is music. Yes, yeah, so, but just no, there are no lyrics. So it can't be like, I think the Jeffersons is the best TV theme song that has lyrics. I would push back only, only maybe for the X-Files. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. But I mean that dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Oh, my god, It transcends. It's so good. I don't know, maybe, would you say the ESPN noise would be categorized as a TV theme song? It is. Then maybe Monday Night Football, you mean? Yeah, maybe that. Unless better. you're talking da na na da na na, that versus da na da 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 na da na. Yeah, I don't know. I think both of the. Now, I think Law and Order beats both of them. Honestly, I'm gonna ask this question on Twitter because I just want to figure it out. What's the best non-lyrical uh, TV theme. TV theme song? Maybe we can get to the bottom of that. That's been Let's Get Crazy. Coming up, why I do not believe retirement's out of the question for Cam Newton. This is The Drive.
back on the air. It's the drive. You suck. And yet you keep returning. Sports talk. It's offensive and people can get hurt. The drive with Josh Graham. It ran. On Sports Hub Triad. Man, this song makes me think about summer, wanting to get out on the water, be at the beach. Hopefully sometime soon we could do that. I know somebody who's capitalizing on being out on the lake. It's our good friend Ed Harden from the Greensboro News and Record, who you can follow on Twitter at Ed underscore Harden. As I welcome you in, Ed, I'm getting flooded on Twitter because Robert, he went to the radio microphone and said, Law and Order SVU, it's the best TV theme song without lyrics in it. And I'm just looking at my Twitter feed and I'm just seeing without any other context, people just saying Knight Rider, Magnum PI, Office, uh, The Simpsons, Sanford and Son, Succession, Hawaii Five O. It just continues and continues. So before we get to Wake Basketball, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear TV theme song without lyrics? The Andy Griffith Show. Oh, wow! Robert, I think you've met your match. I think Andy Griffith, for local reasons, historic reasons, that's tough to beat. It is. You're right. That's that's the one I slipped my mind. Ed's pretty good at this game. Also, Ed, you're somebody I haven't seen your take quite yet in the pages of the News and Record on Steve Forbes, the new head coach of the Demon Deacons. What do you like the most about this hire for Wake? Because it does seem like with Wake having its pick of the litter, they hired a coach that maybe in a normal cycle they wouldn't be able to get. That's probably true, but I think he might have been Curry's guy all along. I think he would. I think they have a, a relationship going back to Tennessee, and I just have a feeling that's who he wanted all along. I think it's a great hire. It's it's not a typical wake hire at all and not even a a typical ACC hire I mean he doesn't have the classic pedigree but I think it's a great hire the guy's won everywhere he's been but you know the the thing he has to do now is hold the program together and then we'll see if he can recruit a little bit I mean when you look at the winning percentage 75 percent winning percentage it's not one of the lesser uh, mid-major conferences the southern conference I think out of the 26 mid-majors, it ranked seventh last year. To put that in perspective, the A-10 was uh, second or third on that list. So you're you're talking about a pretty good conference, a coach who was just dominant in it. And even though he doesn't have any experience coaching at a private school or you know the way he recruited at East Tennessee State doesn't really translate to Wake Forest, I think the fact that he helped recruit top 10 recruiting classes at Tennessee and has just this wealth of knowledge and experience that comes along being in coaching nearly 30 years. I feel comfortable that whatever holes you could pick through his resume in terms of it being a fit, this is a guy that can adapt. What say you? Oh, I absolutely believe that. And, you know, he, he didn't do it with the classic athletes at Atsu, but he did it. And those games, when they played UNCG, two coaches who were a lot alike in the way they coached, emphasis on defense, emphasis on playing hard. It was it was a battle. It was fun to watch. That Either of those coaches could have won any of those games for a stretch of a couple of years here and there. And 
I just like sitting back and watching almost like a fan. I just like to watch how hard he gets his teams to play. We asked John Curry earlier in the show. He wasn't going to go talking about contract figures, so I tried to ask, I think, tried to craft the question in a way where he could answer uh, something in response to the Jeff Goodman report about trying to get under the $15 million. They don't feel he's owed it. I think the way I framed it was, do you feel Danny Manning fulfilled his opportunity or uh, his obligations as Wake Forest basketball coach? And he just politely declined to answer that question. What do you think's happening with all of that? Because Jeff Goodman told us last week that he thinks retention rate is going to be a part of this. Yeah, I think there's, there was something, there was a clause added to his contract, I think. And what we're looking at now is a legal standoff. Um, they've both retained counsel. Danny's got a really good local attorney who went to Wake Forest. It's a, there's an irony in that, that he's going to he's going to defend Danny against Wake Forest. So it's this is really gearing up to be a protracted legal battle. It may end in a settlement. We may, may never hear how it ends, or it very well, well could end up in a courtroom in Winston-Salem. What's your bet? I mean, I think... I think with this pandemic, with everything on hold, there's plenty of time to work something out. I just don't see this ended up in a courtroom. That's not the Wake Forest way. It's not, you know, Danny doesn't want that either. And I just think they're going to settle at some point. I think it's the gentlemanly thing to do, but a contract's a contract. You know, unless there's some wording in there that gives them some wiggle room, Danny's got a pretty strong case. Ed Harden's with us here. He's on Twitter at Ed underscore Harden. I'm not sure if you've watched the Last Dance Michael Jordan docu-series, but uh, the gambling that he he uh, participated in on the golf course quite often, it's been a topic of the day. And even names such as Slim Bowler, who took a lot of Michael's money, including a $57,000 check in Charlotte, he, he became part of the public conversation as well uh what do you think of as somebody who loves golf and obviously a lot of this happening in the state of north carolina over the years back in the 90s uh how what do you think of when you think of michael jordan's gambling and the competitive uh, competitiveness he's had on the golf course i mean i think they go hand in hand he, he, he you know he had to be the best ping pong player he had to be the best pool player it wasn't just basketball. Then when he took up golf, he had to be the best golfer. When he probably saw that he wasn't the best golfer in the world, he he, he added gambling to it just to, to add to the excitement. I played a round of golf in front of him one day in Pinehurst, he and LT. And Michael would play from beyond the tips. He would actually go to the back of the tee box as far as he could go and put one foot out of the tee box. And that's where he drove every hole. He just he competed with himself. So I think the gambling part of it is just it's just the excitement that it adds to an already competitive. How'd you shoot process. that day? How'd you shoot that day with uh, Michael and LT behind you? Not very well. I kept looking over my back. They kept hitting into us. <laughs> you didn't let him pass? He can, hit, he can hit it a long hell no, he didn't let him pass. <laughs> they didn't want to. They had. A, they, they didn't even know we were there. What uh, is Ed Hardin's policy on letting people pass? Well, I mean, it's a gentleman agreement. It's an unwritten rule. You let a faster 
foursome or single or whoever play through. The difference was we ran a tournament. We had a little North-South Writers' Cup, we called it. North Carolina versus South Carolina going on. It was very competitive. And they weren't in the tournament, so I'm sorry. They're not playing through. That's not according to match play rules. So, And they knew it. You know, They were competing with each other. Like I said, they didn't, they didn't know we were there. How would you describe your last outing out on the lake? Well, I was outfished by my wife. Whoa! She, uh, yeah. I spent a good time just getting lures out of trees, and she's catching fish literally under me while I'm trying to unhook myself. She caught a crappie. I've never, I've caught one crappie in five years. She's caught a crappie like the second time she ever went out. So she's also catching them bigger than I am. So how often, how often does your wife beat you? Never. (laughs) This was the first, (laughs) the last couple of times she has caught bigger fish and she has caught more fish and different species. So I'm learning from her now. Ed, you're the best, man. Stay safe. Thanks for doing this. See you soon. Got it. That's Ed Harden. Uh, out fishing. Being outfished by his wife. On Twitter at Ed underscore Harden. Setting up the rest of the week. We got a big show tomorrow. Billy Gillespie, former head coach at Texas A&M, who had an assistant named Steve Forbes. He's going to be with us. Darren Gant, ProFootballTalk.com, going to be our guest tomorrow as well. Oh, yeah, and that Steve Forbes guy. <laughs> Probably should have led with that. Coach Forbes, going to be our guest as well. Robert is going to be on Speed Dotting on Wednesday. Dot going to be in studio with us. The NFL's releasing its schedule on Thursday. Oh, just a big week. Really big week. But I'm not letting Robert off the hook. See what I did there? Not letting him off the hook on this comment that he said last hour that Law and Order SVU is the greatest TV theme song without lyrics in it. It's hard to beat Andy Griffith. Yeah, that was a sneaky pull by him. Uh, and, and I get that a lot of these older TV shows are going to have less lyrics in them. I think that's why we're seeing a lot of the like Hawaii Five O and Hill Street Blues. But also, let me shut something down real quick. Uh, Hill Street Blues does not even is not even the fifteenth on this list. Give it a listen. Dispatch, Those are lyrics right there. Yeah, I see someone saying the eighteen. Like that has lyrics in it too. Does it? Okay, I pulled up the A-Team. Let me try dun, to find dun, that. Dun, anyway, Hill Street Blues loses. That's it's not even close. You're not even going to fade it out? Uh, no, I'm not going to fade oh, it out. Oh, and if you have ones you want to throw in here, 336-777-1600 is the phone number. On Twitter, at Sports Hub Triad. I, I'm just looking at this laundry list. Includes Reba, Zoe one-on-one. Isn't that like Lizzie McGuire? What's Zoe 101? Zoe 101 was a Nickelodeon show where uh, Jamie Lee Spears got knocked up at the end of the first season in real life, and then they canceled the show. All right, let's go to Jeremy in Greensboro. Jeremy in Greensboro, give me the best TV show without, or TV theme music without lyrics. All right, you're forgetting about the best one, man. Magnum P.I., the original. (laughs) 
I, I didn't forget about Magnum P.I., the original. Why is that one a lot better? I mean, we're playing it right now. You think this is better than everything else? Well, I mean, the music, yeah, but when you have it on TV and you got the sights and you got the helicopter going, you know, you got the Ferrari. I mean, it just all comes together. All right. Get him out of here. I don't think we're <laughs> counting. I don't think we're counting visual, right? Like yeah, he's talking about the count. helicopters. Tom Selleck looking at that woman's big butt <laughs> in the water. It doesn't count. Uh, Degenerate King says Rick and Morty. I'm seeing a lot of Sanford and Son. 336-777-1600 if you want to continue to contribute. Should we go to Frank? Yeah, let's go to Frank in Winston-Salem. Frank, where are you headed when it comes to TV theme shows without uh, lyrics in them? It's got to be Miami Vice. <laughs> that is a really strong one. Miami Vice is great. Coming in, dropping the mic. Sign of the times and everything, it is it, hands down. All right, there you go. That's Frank and Winston Salem coming in and just delivering. This one just has the stench of cocaine. I was about to say, like, nobody here likes the cocaine. They just like the way it smells. Like, everybody on this show. (laughs) Oh, Uh, my God, somebody else is calling. All right, just take take all the calls that we have here. We'll, We'll get as many as we can. In on the show here. Miami Vice, I think it might belong in the top three, top four. Like, I don't even know how we could put this out to a poll because I'm seeing so many put out there right now. I don't even know if we can do a poll question here. You only get four options. Like, Anchorman putting side-by-side with Talladega Nights and Old School... And Elf, that was easy, right? This is not. This would be in my top three. This slaps. I don't care where you're at. Yeah, this is very Robert Walsh. Let's go to Tom and Winston. Tom, you're on Sports Hub Triad. What would you nominate? Got to be Miami Vice from the first note to the last note. Just get you trust in the get. That guitar riff, man. That's what I'm talking about. Thanks for the call, Tom. That guitar riff. I'm coming, Elizabeth! I, like, him calling his son Dummy. Like it, It's just great. I grew up on this Listen stuff. Listen here, Dummy. TV Land was uh, my mom would just record it and then play VHSs for me so I could record or uh, fast forward the commercials. Red Stand Up is very raunchy. Oh, my gosh. And, and, and that's if you just know him off this... You're like you'll watch him on stand up and be like, "Wow, this guy." Is- I think there are a lot of younger people that don't even know what this is right now. I'd venture to say that people who are under the age of thirty might not know what this song is. Do you think that's a fair assumption? Maybe I'm under thirty and I know what it is. Well, you also are somebody who appreciates things in the '70s and in the '60s quite often. I walk into the studio, this is a backstory, and Robert will just be watching old 1970s videos and TV shows. So Sanford and Son, I don't think it's really on the radar of people who are generally younger than 30 years old. But that is very high up on the board. 
Let's go to Jack in Winston-Salem. That's where we're headed. Jack, really quickly, give me the sports, not sports, give me the TV theme song that you think's the best without lyrics. Well, you bring up a good point about people's age. I'm 56, and I'd have to go with MASH, the theme from MASH. Whoa! Which, MASH! Which has, which has words, but, but, the, but the theme song for the TV show was played instrumentally. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that's, if you want to, if you want to add to the category or, or have the, uh, iconic ness of the show, uh, filter the category, man, MASH, you gotta be up there somewhere. Yeah. See, we can't do that game because Breaking Bad, it's a terrible song, but it's a great show. Like the, the, the quality of the show can't infiltrate itself into the type of song we're talking about. But thank you for the call. You just can't have it that way, Robert. We'll take one more. Let's go to Justin and Elkin. Justin, TV theme song without lyrics. Barney Miller, the theme to Barney Miller. If you want to hear a really cool one with some awesome bass licks that started out, Barney Miller is okay. the way to go. I'm going to admit, thank you for the call, Justin. I'm going to admit, I don't know what this is. So let's figure out together what the hell Barney Miller is. If you're in your car mad, how does Josh not know what Barney Miller is? Um... I'm sorry. I'm not a big TV show guy, but I know all the classics. Barney Miller's the one I want to figure out here. If Robert can dig it up. Oh, this does. Wow! Wow. If we're just talking about quality of song... It might be a dumb show. I don't even know. Yeah, I have no clue. What but Barney this is a great song. I'm Barney Miller is probably about like a lawman or something, you know? Like what else would a TV show back then be about? Give me the description on Barney Miller so we know what we're describing here. Like you want me to make one up or you want me to look it up what it's actually <laughs> You know about? what? Just make up what you think Barney Miller is about. I think Barney... And I'll... No, no, no. You tell me what you think it is and I'll tell you what it actually is. Okay, I think Barney Miller is a... Maybe a cop or a lawyer who kind of bends the rules to fit his form of justice. Uh, he's also got a smoking hot secretary and or wife who plays his comic double. Uh, he might have a sidekick who is an ethnicity or uh, a minority. That's, that's what I'm guessing for Barney Miller. Here's the actual description. Show aired from 75 to 82. The series focuses on the life in Greenwich Village... The 12th Precinct Station House. Initially, it looks like Captain Barney Miller and his work and home life, but it gradually becomes about the officers at the precinct, including always on the verge of retirement, Detective Fish. Click on Detective Fish. Is he a minority? I know I have to, I have to know if I hit. I'm pretty sure he is. I think that's right. Wow. Hey, you're pretty good at this. Hey. 80s TV shows, they are very predictable. How are we going to narrow this down? I, I think it's a preference thing. I think you can just decide that it's not. Like Andy Griffith, I think most people would agree, belongs in the top three. Agreed. The Office. Like, I think we're, we have to, like, compartmentalize this into eras. Like, The Office is the modern era. Andy Griffith, it's older, but I don't think anybody's disagreeing with Andy Griffith. 
then again, if you could only pick one, Sanford and Son or Andy Griffith, where do you go? Where do you go with that? Um, And I don't know where you go in between. Is it Game of Thrones? The Simpsons? I honestly just don't know. Are we going to take one more? Uh, Yeah, you got James and Clemens. All right, James and Clemens. Real quickly, we got time for one more. James and Clemens, go right ahead. All right, it's the exact opposite of Miami Vice. The theme from The Young and the Restless will get you in the mood. Oh, my gosh. Hello there. Like sand through an hourglass. What's up, James? Thanks for listening to the show, James. I remember taking naps with my aunt. To Great. this, she would like always have to watch her shows, and that, and I would just fall asleep on the couch. Robert, tell me what you got and take it to the house. That's a great question, Josh. College kids, why the hell are we paying for online classes? Find out next on the drive.